Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with the ultimate WWE Money in the Bank preview. Absolutely loaded show, absolutely loaded week of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast here for you. And it all starts today previewing WWE's next pay-per-view, the first one coming out of WrestleMania 36. Before we get to all of that, you guys know the drill by now. It is all about the five, five-star ratings and reviews, Apple Podcasts. I saw a number of you stepped up last week, dropped those ratings and reviews. We popped back into top 40 wrestling podcasts in the United States. Top 40 doesn't necessarily sound like the most amazing number, but when you consider we've only been around a couple months and how many wrestling podcasts actually exist, that is a major accomplishment. So I appreciate all of you doing that. If you have not dropped a five-star rating or review, please do so. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast and tell a friend about this show. If you're listening, if you know other people who are wrestling fans, Tell them about your favorite wrestling podcast. Have them listen to Getting Over. Help us grow. The more we grow, the more technology we can get. We can maybe start selling advertisements. Things are going to be great in the Getting Over universe, but it all starts with you guys supporting the show. And supporting me on this episode of Getting Over, of course, is Chris Vanini joining me to talk all things WWE. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Vanini. Of course, you can follow me at Silverstein. Adam. Now, the main event of today's show is going to be the ultimate uh, Money in the Bank preview. No question. That's the big news coming out this week. But Chris, I kind of wanted to start the show off because I'm pretty positive about Money in the Bank. I want to get the negativity out. Okay. (laughs) I I just want to flush it all out. I want to say my piece, say what I need to say. Certainly have you contribute as well. But I got to get off my plate a lot of the crap that I saw, um, mostly, honestly, on Monday night. And you know, more perhaps than anyone, that I have been very bullish about WWE Raw over the last, I mean, honestly, since October, but even coming out of WrestleMania, I think they have done a very good job with the empty arena shows, um, from Seth Rollins' promos to the way they've built up new characters, Aleister Black continuing to dominate, uh, the introduction of you know guys like Angel Garza. I've just been very happy with the Raw product, and I have never found that the Monday night shows have dragged. Well, this Monday night show, and some disagree. I already spoke to a couple people who told me I'm dead wrong about this, but Monday night show for me, I think was the worst in months. As a go-home show, I thought it kind of failed. It dragged relentlessly for me. Um, And I just had a number of issues with what I saw on Monday night, what they presented us, how they booked, and how they wrote the show. So... I'm going to pause there. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it was kind of along the lines of the rest of the shows that we've been getting? So I, I think it was actually a pretty bad Friday to Monday weekend, really. I mean, SmackDown does not have high expectations. I know, you know, right. Raw's been much better, but it was, even by SmackDown standards, it was not a good SmackDown. And by Raw standards, it was not a good Raw. And yeah, as we're going into Money in the Bank, not the way you want to send it off. I'm extremely excited for Money in the Bank, and and I, I think especially with the way things are, the pay-per-views mean even more, but no, it was it was not a good Raw. Both shows dragged, and uh, you, you didn't have the same type of things you saw throughout the previous three, four weeks of Raw, and it was a surprising, I think, decision, although, you know, circumstances are certainly unique, but uh, yeah, not what, you, not what you want in a go-home show uh, to me, so I, I'm there. I'm with you on that. You, you actually make a good point, because I kind of let SmackDown off the hook, and 
For SmackDown, my expectations are lower, just like you said yours right. are. But it had been good. There had been there were a couple of weeks coming out of WrestleMania where I was like, okay, I'm feeling SmackDown. Like there's some stuff happening. This is pretty decent. But this past week on SmackDown, it was boring. In fact, I looked at like the recap just to try to get an idea of you know what I was going to write about. I build a rundown before all of these shows. And I just kept finding myself saying, oh, that thing I thought happened this week happened two weeks ago because nothing happened Friday night on SmackDown. So we're very much in the same boat. Now, this is especially disappointing for me because while the ratings for Raw and SmackDown have progressively been going down week to week, again, up until these last two shows, I thought that was ridiculous. I understand that people have different priorities right now and maybe they don't like wrestling without fans and they don't want to watch. Totally understandable, 100% legitimate. But for me, as someone who's going to watch every week, no matter what, basically, um, I saw quality improve in some ways. I saw things happening, uh, like storylines that start at the beginning of a show and run through an an entire episode, uh, things making sense from week to week, a a lack of convolution in terms of a lot of the storylines and and concepts and matches, longer matches with more talented wrestlers. And I've been very happy with the Raw product in particular. But I thought WWE has been doing a pretty good job, all things considered, and didn't deserve the lower ratings, even though the lower ratings make sense. But if you're going to put out shows like you put out Friday and Monday, you deserve the low ratings. I could totally see someone turning off SmackDown on Friday or Raw on Monday and just saying what's happening right now is not good. And I think the bird outside my window, for those of you that can hear that, he agrees with me. Um, But I'm going to talk about what I didn't like. Uh, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander losing to Shane Thorne and Brendan Vick. First of all, you're building up Ricochet and Alexander for weeks. And yeah, they did lose to the Viking Raiders, but they've beaten everyone else. They've been flashy and exciting and commentaries putting them over as the most athletic and dynamic tag team in the entire company. And they're starting to build momentum. And you have them lose to basically two nobodies. Ricochet takes the fall. He's already lost uh, to... What's his name? The uh, Riddick Moss. He got absolutely murdered by Brock Lesnar. Those happened in succession. Now you have him losing to a, a boot from Brendan Vink, who's absolutely nobody in terms of kayfabe on Raw. He's nobody. Then you say the week prior, and you show it in the episode, that these guys have a new manager, MVP. MVP was at Raw, but he wasn't ringside for their match. And it's not like they're not putting manager's ringside because Zelina Vega is ringsider on commentary for all of her people's matches. They also didn't give Thorne or Vink an entrance of any kind. They opened the segment in the ring with their music playing. So they did nothing to make you feel like this team that beat Ricochet and Alexander is a big deal, that they matter. Um, And they just took a team that, again, I'm not saying they were building them into like the greatest tag team in company history, but they were doing a good job getting them over and getting people excited to see them and they have them just lose pretty pathetically to Shane Thorne and Brendan Vick. I was so confused when that happened. I, I did, for all the reasons you just said, it didn't make any sense. And everything that's happened with Ricochet and Cedric Alexander over the past month has made no sense. Now, I think Brendan Vink, you know, looks pretty good. Big guy, you know, got, got a good look and stuff like that. And who knows, you know, maybe they'll become something and, uh, I, I liked what they were doing with MVP, thinking about taking them on, but then you don't have MVP ringside. Very strange. And yeah, uh, my general reaction when that pin happened was confusion. I was like, what, what are we what are we doing here? Why, why? They continue to build them up. 
only to knock them down. I do not see what the point of that is <laughs> whatsoever for all the reasons that you just laid out. Just yeah, because because even if you're going to build them up, then build them up. Like actually introduce them, talk about their accolades, show highlights, like do right. things that make people think they're a big deal and then have them beat Ricochet and Alexander. And it, I just feel like we're going to get a rematch on the kickoff show and Ricochet and Alexander are going to win and everyone's going to say, oh, okay, well, it's 50-50 booking. 50-50 booking sucks. And you don't do it when you're trying to build up a team. So that's my biggest issue. So I think we're unanimous on this one. Zero point zero. All right. Uh, next thing that pissed me off was Charlotte Flair. Not Charlotte Flair herself. I, th- I thought her promos were good. I liked the back and forth with Liv Morgan. I was thrilled that Liv Morgan got an opportunity and continues to be pushed. They had like a 12 to 15 minute match. It was nothing to sneeze at. Giving someone like Morgan that a match of that length with Flair, that's something that doesn't normally happen. I think last time they fought Charlotte Peter in like 2.30. So that's all positive. But holy shit. Charlotte does not sell. She sold nothing Liv Morgan did to her. She did the same thing with Mia Yim Wednesday night on NXT. Now, you saw a lot of criticism for Charlotte over the past week because her like quarter hour for NXT was the lowest rated, I think, in the show's history or at least last week or whatever the case. She's not a draw. Vince doesn't fully understand what he does and does not have in her. They don't necessarily use her properly all the time. But I think Charlotte's very good. I think she's one of the most athletic and talented and truly gifted women on the entire roster. And you can make an argument for her being number one, despite how much I very much like Becky Lynch and, and uh, Sasha Banks. Charlotte does really have the entire package. But if you're going to put her in a match with Liv Morgan and you're going to try to get Liv Morgan over, which I do think they moderately succeeded in doing, you got to have her sell a little bit. And her lack of selling is really holding her back from being an all-time great. You look at The Rock, you look at Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Steve Austin, those guys sold the shit out of their opponent's moves. I mean, The Rock, the way he took a stunner, right? Or or Shawn Michaels, just the way he got whipped into a corner. That's the definition of Ric Flair, her father, one of the best sellers of all time. Charlotte does not sell well, and it's really starting to piss me off because they had a great chance with Liv Morgan, again, moderately well, but did not go over nearly as well as it could have if Charlotte actually treated her like a legitimate competitor. What do you think? So, so I, I think it's tough because Charlotte is generally so much bigger than all of these people she's competing with. You know, Ric Flair was True. generally a medium-sized, a small guy. True. You know, Rock and Austin went up against people their size. It, it's hard to tell Charlotte she needs to sell a lot for Tiny Liv Morgan uh, when these things are going on. It's also why Charlotte should always be a heel. You cannot make her a face when she's towering over everybody, uh, pretty much everybody. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I think the, again, she's done this a number of times, but coming out to do a promo in an empty arena while wearing the full robe and everything is a little strange to me. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, that was my takeaway when I was watching that promo and then the Liv Morgan stuff happens. And the other thing I, I thought about with, with Charlotte was, She's the NXT Women's Champion. Why is she on Raw every week? Should should we can we bring more NXT people up to cut types of, of promos? I, I, throwing the NXT title on her, and I know she's on NXT, but continuing to have her on Raw, it's a little strange. But uh, Charlotte is very good at pretty much everything else. Uh, she's an all time great already. Total package, like you said. You, it, it's, you, it's, it's just hard to tell her to sell when, you know, especially if it's like a, a Liv Morgan or a Sasha Banks who are 
just tiny compared to her. That okay, but but I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Part. I'm gonna play devil's advocate because Daniel Bryan is tiny compared to Brock Lesnar, and Brock sold the shit for for Daniel Bryan after he got hit in the nuts. Okay, but for the duration of that match, AJ Styles is far smaller than him too. I mean, Brock Lesnar will sell for smaller dudes, and and a lot of big guys will sell for smaller guys. The Big Show sold his entire career for smaller guys. I mean, it, just because she's big and dominant doesn't mean she can't sell. And, and I'm not talking about. She needs to say that a Liv Morgan punch knocks her out like an Alexa Bliss punch, which sure. separate thing gets me just completely ridiculous. But if Liv Morgan is getting in a ton of offense and Charlotte barely kicks out at two, you can't just stand right up and, and toss her out of the ring. Like you have no, to be able to like hold your back a little bit or, you know, sell your leg a little bit. And she just doesn't really do it. it it's pissing me off. So I don't know that we were totally agreement. So I'll just say zero. we'll mark that one zero. Um, things that pissed me off from Raw continuation here. So they previewed next week's show by promoting two separate segments for next week's Raw. The first, and they did both of these twice over the course of Raw on Monday night. The first was that Becky Lynch, the Raw Women's Champion, will confront the Money in the Bank winner. Well, we have not been told that the briefcase can cross brands in kayfabe. Why is Becky Lynch the only one who would confront the winner? What about Bailey? And when you're doing these promos... You are basically telling your audience that someone from Raw is going to win women's money in the bank. Why not do the promos? Becky Lynch returns to Raw on Monday night. Will she confront the winner of money in the bank? I don't know why that's so hard, but they promoted it twice in video segments. They The announcers did it uh, during a match or, or at some point during the show. To me, it was just mind-numbing. And the second thing they did, Chris, and you can address both of these, is... They twice advertised again in video, and then I think they did it once more on commentary, that Edge will return to Raw next week to hunt Randy Orton. Why is he hunting Randy Orton? Why is their rivalry continuing? I thought the win at WrestleMania was pretty damn definitive and decisive. So they are now, in my opinion, and maybe they'll t- maybe they'll prove me wrong, maybe Lacey Evans wins Money in the Bank and, and everything I'm getting upset about is stupid regarding Becky. But why are they previewing that in that manner? And why the hell is Edge Randy Orton continuing? I got to say, when I first saw the Edge Randy Orton commercial, I thought it was a mistake. <laughs> I thought it was for a Raw that was, you know, two months ago or something right. like that. And, the, and then, yeah, <laughs> and then commentary. And so you kind of figure it out. And it was very strange. I was I thought we were done. I, I Edge is back. I'd like him to move around to different people as much as we can. I guess we'll see what happens. I I I can't imagine they're going to keep this going, especially after the, the reaction to the last man standing match. We'll see. I don't know. As, as for the other one, I think we do know Money in the Bank can go across brands, right? Because when, 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 Brock, when Brock won it, he was in the ring with when he was dancing. He was with Kofi and uh, uh, I forgot who the other champ was. Maybe it was AJ. I don't remember. Uh, so I, I think I, I think it generally hasn't happened but I don't think it's officially that you can't. So that was what you're talking about. That was during a weird time when like Raw was hemorrhaging ratings and the shows were terrible creatively. I'm not talking about bad. Like yeah, and they were Monday Night champions was, over. Yeah, or, yeah. Th- there, there was so much bad stuff happening. There was the wild card rule. The brand split wasn't real. Since October, and I got to be fair to WWE, they've done a really good job keeping the brand separate. And it has made me enjoy both shows more. And there have been yes. a couple of crossovers that the Apollo crew is going to Raw. They they said that was for the Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross trade. That's fine. Certainly with the initially right after the brand split, after the draft, they had a reasoning why they needed to 
move. Um, you know, well, they, they ended up having to put the title on Bray because they screwed up. So then they had to move Lesnar and they made that work, at least in kayfabe. So the, but the, but besides that, they have not had crossovers and they've done a very good job with that. So for like Lacey Evans to win money in the bank and just show up on Raw again, I don't mind that. But if they tell us in kayfabe that she can challenge and cash in on either women's champion at any time, that's totally fine. Then I'm totally accepting of this. But at least, and I could be wrong. Look, I've been wrong before. I have no recollection of them saying that Money in the Bank winners can cross brands. And even if they have before, they should have reminded us of that in the promo, at least when the commentary did it. They should have said, hey, don't forget the Money in the Bank winners. It it shakes things up. They can cash in on any brand at any time. Then you're like, oh my God, that's awesome. Now the promo makes sense. But they didn't do that. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, so Nia Jax or Shayna Baszler is going to win. So I I think it's also like Royal Rumble winner is is kind of the same thing and you can pick who you fight. I mean I know they yeah, that's yeah. been made more clear and I know Money in the Bank hasn't but and you're also right about the 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 Becky Lynch part with the the winner that is a weird uh, giveaway. I don't understand why they did that but I I, I think it's I, I think Money in the Bank crossing brands makes sense even if it hasn't been it does. explicit. Uh, yeah. It's it's like Royal Rumble. We've kind of had similar deals before. It just typically hasn't happened but. I'm fine. I was fine with that. It it's, does the Becky, make sense. It's, it's the Becky Lynch part. It's the Becky Lynch part that, that uh, yeah, it was a weird. I'm absolutely fine with Becky Lynch confronting the winner. I just, the way that they promoted it, to me at least, it just felt like they were telling me it was going to be a raw woman. And to have Becky Lynch be the only one confronting and then for it to be Becky Lynch um, will confront as opposed to will she confront with a question mark, it just to me was was far too definitive. And again, maybe maybe they'll swerve me and maybe I'm wrong, but I just kind of feel like I know who's going to win now and and it's annoying to me. Um but to your to your other point because we didn't really touch on it. Yeah, Charlotte showing up as NXT champion on Raw and NXT every single week. Uh it's a little annoying and it's more glaring especially with Becky not being on Raw. I'm fine with Becky being off and I'm also totally okay by the way with her not having a match at Money in the Bank considering she's beaten everyone on the Raw women's roster. So she doesn't necessarily have a, a legitimate challenger. So that is completely fine with me, but I just wish they would have figured out a better way to promote that show and a better way to kind of prop up Lynch. They should be talking about her title run, how she's approaching Trish Stratus territory for longest of all time in the modern era. And they're just, hey, Becky's champion and she's not on TV, but don't worry, we have Charlotte, will give you her twice. And Charlotte's run as NXT Women's Champion so far I mean, I think her promos have improved, uh, you know, compared to prior to WrestleMania, but I don't care at all. They took the momentum right out of Rhea Ripley's sails. And I mean, if she loses the title to Io Shirai on Wednesday, that'll be great. If she beats Io Shirai, it's like, what are they doing? Yeah, it's it's been a little weird what's going on with Charlotte between Mia Yim and different stuff going on in Raw and, you know, Io Shirai's there. And normally I like, you know, things mixing together uh, it's just been very strange across two shows exactly what is kind of on charlotte's mind and she, she just she's handling a lot of things at, at once and it's been a little bit hard to follow yeah now the other thing that bothered me from ron we can kind of end it on this is uh the street prophets fought the viking raiders and i could have sworn man and maybe i'm wrong i'll accept it if i'm wrong maybe i misheard i could have sworn last week it was a raw tag team title match And then all of a sudden, it's a non-title match. And even if it was a non-title match, I don't really feel like they told us that, like, during the match to, like, make it very clear. The Viking Raiders win. 
they are then backstage and they say, hey, we told you we're the best team on Raw. And they're number two. And they walk off. They don't demand a tag team title match. They, they don't, you know, it, it's just like, oh, we beat them and that's great for us. And then they move on with their lives. They just beat the tag team champions. They should be demanding a match next week at Money in the Bank, whatever the case. So I feel like they made a title match and non-title match, held it on Raw just so they can do a rematch for the titles at Money in the Bank and have the Street Profits win. I Again, it very much could be wrong, but if that's what they did, they could have just saved the match for the pay-per-view. Yeah, so I saw you, I think, tweeted about that as it was going on. I don't remember, but th- there's a story on WWE.com from like four days ago that says it's a non-title match. Okay. So it, it, it wasn't, okay. if it was changed, it wasn't changed at the, at the last minute here. That's fine. I just felt either way, and again, like I said, so I'll, let's say I'm wrong. I'll, I'll take the zero on that one. Um, I just feel like they beat them just to lose again, which again, 50-50 booking, just like Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Shane Thorne, and Brendan Vick. Just like that, it just seems like a lot of a way to go to get the Street Profits a win that they need. It, just it's exa- yeah. Have it's them exactly get challenged and win. Yeah, it's exactly what we're seeing on SmackDown where you're getting you pin the tag team champ or pin one of the tag team champs and then you get a title match. It's like a <laughs> that happens on SmackDown almost every week for some title. Yeah. The champion gets pinned. As soon as you're the champion, you're not very you're not as good anymore and you lose and then you win your title match and it repeats itself. WWE does a very, very, very poor job at building someone up as a number one contender other than they pin the champions. And therefore, they get a title match. It's, it's exactly. a crutch. It's a crutch they lean on. Time and time and time and time again, and um, with, with so much time and freedom creatively to do whatever you want here, um, you'd like to think they could try to come up with something else. Uh, also, speaking of the Viking Raiders, I guess the car thing is done. Oh, I, I know God, they moved past, and it's fine. It's fine if you didn't like it. And I know you you didn't like Dude, it. And, but they've just we, we've talked about this before. But the starting and stopping with the Viking Raiders over and over again has been very strange. And if the Street Profits, you know, beat them. If the Viking Raiders get another title match to lose, it feels like once again they're just treading water and you don't know where the hell they're going. Yeah, and now the tag team picture on Raw is not great right now. I mean, there's people that are, I think, pretty clearly not showing up, and they also don't really have a lot of solid teams on that brand. And maybe that's why they're trying to build up Thorne and Vink because they're local and they know that they're going to be there for a while. So they tr- they're trying to build another tag team. I get it. Like, that's fine. But you got to do things in a smarter, better way. And it just feels like, they're like you said, they're using a lot of crutches and we'll talk about it momentarily. But you look at that SmackDown tag team title match for Money in the Bank. Well, it's the Miz and Morrison who kind of did do deserve a rematch for the titles of New Day, considering they didn't get beat as a team. Right. So they're in that match. The Forgotten Sons beat New Day clean. They're in the match. Lucha House Party beat Miz and Morrison clean. They're in the match. So the only reason why that match is happening is because the champions and the former champions who didn't necessarily lose their titles in a real way, both got pinned. So now there's a fatal four way. I mean, you know, that's bound to happen. And, you know, it's okay occasionally, uh, occasionally. But, uh, you know, again, it just it feels like it happens all the time. And uh, a couple other items here. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, they're going to fight Friday night on SmackDown. Kind of felt to me like that should just be a Money in the Bank match, right? Yeah, I I was kind of surprised at how a lot of that's played out with the Mandy Otis, Ziggler, Sonya stuff leading into Money in the Bank. So maybe it's just a set up the SmackDown match. I guess we'll see. Maybe it's a DQ and then they get a rematch on Money in the Bank. Again, very God, frustrating I hope not. when they do that. <laughs> but uh, maybe that's the direction they're going. A couple other items. Uh, Curtis Axel was released from WWE this week. Kind of just a extra cut. There wasn't a second wave, just him. 
he had an interesting career. You know, we did break down all those cuts previously, so I feel like we might as well talk about him briefly. Came in, I was interested, liked the name, thought the, you know, obviously the relationship of Mr. Perfect being his son made a lot of sense um, for them to push him that way. Linked up with Paul Heyman, you start thinking, hey, maybe this might work. Intercontinental champion, you're like, and maybe a little too much too soon. Um, kind of goes nowhere. And then he has that Axel Mania run, which was sneaky good. Like, it was pretty entertaining that the guy never got eliminated from the Royal Rumble. And he's just like, hey, I deserve to be <laughs> at WrestleMania. And, like, that kind of made sense. That was kind of smart. And then he gets into the B team. And the B team starts working a little bit. And you're like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then that goes nowhere, too. And I think at that point, once the B team kind of floundered and, you know, I don't necessarily want to say it's his fault, but I do feel like there are some people who are totally made to be second generation stars or third generation stars. Bray Wyatt, uh, Cody Rhodes, et cetera. And then there are guys, you know, Randy Orton. Uh, and then Curtis Axel was kind of like, you know what? Made it on his name, worked really hard, tried really hard, but just didn't have the entire package. You know, he was a funny guy. He he did even Rybaxel as well. Like that's true. He, Rybaxel, he, yeah. He'd get thrown into some situations and he'd be pretty funny. I mean, maybe that's not a you know championship caliber you know character, but but I I, I was entertained by him generally when I when he was on my screen. Now, do you remember how Axel Mania ended? I don't. No. I I, I want to make sure. I I think I have this right. He was thrown over the top rope by Snoop Dogg. Ha. <laughs> Do you remember this? No, that's hysterical. I, I, it was. I'm gonna look this up. I remember it, it was Hulk, Hulk Hogan was in the ring and Snoop Dogg was in there uh, promoting the network, probably. Yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, Axel came out with his Axel Mania shirt and Snoop Dogg, who's about as thin as me, threw <laughs> Axel over the ring. And, and that was, I think, generally supposed to be considered the end of uh, Axel Mania, I mean, which that, is too that, bad. He got that thing over. Yeah, and that's acceptable to me. Like, I'm totally okay with that, <laughs> having been the end of it. Um, but yeah, he, dude, he got that over. You're right. He really did. And and Rybaxel was entertaining, too. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Sometimes you wonder, you know, Mr. Perfect is such a highly looked upon character. You wonder if, if there was, if he should have leaned into being... Specific, leaned into the Mr. Perfect gimmick yeah. more, but but yeah. but you know maybe he didn't want to. I don't know. I, I obviously it's hindsight now, but uh, uh, I think that's something that could have uh, been looked at as well. But uh, yeah, he's a funny guy. I, I, I hope to see him back doing some funny stuff at some point because he's he's turned he turned some stuff he turned some nothing into something quite a few times. There was a period of time where WWE really tried to put people with Paul Heyman on screen besides Brock Lesnar, and it just did not work. Like oh, Cesaro, so, so, yeah. Curtis Axel, I think either Ryback was with him or Ryback wanted to be with him, but Heyman wouldn't accept him or something. Like they really tried, and it there's just something special with Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, and WWE. And yeah, Heyman was with Punk, CM Punk, and, and that did work for a short period of time. But you know, the the has the Heyman Lesnar relationship is special and you know, just Heyman putting his vote of confidence behind Curtis Axel just did not work for him. No, my, my first, actually, my first Raw I ever went to was in 2013. I never got to go as a kid. Really? So after, wow. after, after I had gotten back into it, uh, right around WrestleMania 29, 29, um, I, I eventually went to a show in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that was right when Triple H was losing to Curtis Axel a bunch of times. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> Talking about putting yes. someone over, thinking back at that. And I, I, I had always wanted to see a Triple H entrance 
Uh, it was my first draw. I, I wanted to see Triple H entrance. I know he didn't wrestle regularly anymore. And so Triple H was going to... This was the episode where Mark Henry wore the salmon jacket. Oh, you, you were there for that? I was there for that. Oh my and, God, I got a lot more left in the tank. Let's go. Yeah, and so I thought... So Triple H wanted to fight Curtis Eklund. It was going to happen. And I was pumped. I was like, cool, I get to see a Triple H entrance. And then Vince, I think, went to Triple H and said, no, you're not cleared to wrestle, whatever... And so that was disappointing. But but when I think of Curtis Axel and Paul Heyman, I think of that moment there and that time when Curtis Axel, I think, beat Triple H like three times in one Raw, like the week before or something like that. Something insane to look back at now. Man, I, I've seen a lot of really cool Raw and pay-per-view moments live. But I, honestly, I am jealous that you were there for Salmon Jack because that that's an all-time promo. That's an all-time swerve. Uh, I remember legitimately Mark Henry got me. I was like, oh my, like I was, I don't think I was crying, but I was really emotional. And I was like, man, this sucks. This It sucks to see him go. This is a great promo, whatever. And then boom, like once Cena came out and like was standing by the ropes, you knew something was going to happen. Man, that's an all time swerve for me. That's up there. Seriously, like top 10 swerves probably of all time. So here's the thing. I, we didn't know in the moment that Mark Henry said, I still got plenty in the tank. Oh, my God. We just thought he slammed him and he was like going out by slamming the champ. And I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, that's a cool way to go out. You slam the champ. You go out. And then I think someone on Twitter had said to me, like, no, he said he's got more than tank. I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was setting up a feud. I thought he was awesome. I still I still had thought he retired in the moment. So I it it it, it got me so much to that point uh, that uh, I thought it was real even after that. All right, for sure. A couple more things before we get to the preview. So Roman Reigns, obviously still out of action. Makes sense, uh, considering everything that's going on. But WWE is making a concerted effort, not to mention his name, uh, and not to show his image on WWE TV. They showed the cash-in from Seth Rollins in the in the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar match. They didn't show Roman getting pinned in that clip. That's leading to a lot of speculation. People think that there's something nefarious going on from WWE. There's something maybe bad going on with Roman Reigns. I kind of just think that people are taking it a little bit too far. My opinion of it is the last time Roman was off WWE TV, they kept him off completely. And they said, we're not going to mention Roman. When he comes back, we want it to be a big deal. We want that impact of him being here to be felt. And I kind of think that's the same direction that they're going here, especially in this case, at, just like the last case, they don't know when he will be back. You know, with with leukemia, certainly um, he you know, he didn't know when the drugs would start working and when he would be cleared and, and when he would feel okay. And with this, it's completely uncertain when the pandemic will calm down. Certainly you and I, we're not going to get into politics on the show, but we seem to be of a like mind in terms of uh, what we tweet and what we retweet um, regarding this situation. So I am not hopeful that it's over anytime soon. I, I, would, I wish I could be, but you know, I'm not. And I don't think we're going to see Roman Reigns anytime soon. And I don't think it's nefarious. I think it's because he has, I forget if his wife is either pregnant with twins or if they just had twins, but he has older people living with him. That's happening. And he just probably doesn't feel safe continuing to work. Um, so I don't think there's anything crazy happening, but I do think it's obvious that Roman Reigns is not being mentioned on WWE TV. Yeah. And, and you don't want to show him if he's not going to be there. You know, he's a draw, especially for younger fans and stuff like that. Uh, other than, you know, not showing the pin, which maybe was a little weird kind of yeah. no I, I don't think there's anything to that otherwise there's no reason to to show roman reigns when he's not going to be there and it, it can whenever he does come back and things come back it does provide you an opportunity to make it impactful which is yeah. 
one of my favorite things in pro wrestling is but a please, surprise return. But please, for the love of God, give us a surprise return. Don't break yes. it Tuesday night on backstage that Reigns will be on SmackDown Friday yes. just to try to pop a rating like ahead of time. Let let it be a surprise. Let people tune in and then watch next week to see what he does. Like, please do it that way. Uh, last but not least, do you watch Billions on Showtime? I do not. Okay, well, you should because it's maybe I don't the best. Showtime. Mm, okay, I think it's free right now. Maybe I, I maybe it may be free right now. But Billions is is one of the top two current shows on television. Succession and Billions one A one B, depending you know on the day on the on the week. Um, but Becky Lynch made a surprise cameo appearance. It wasn't much of a surprise. They they publicized it, but a cameo appearance on Sunday's show, the first episode of the season. She was absolutely fantastic. I thought it was a little bit strange. They were there were no specific WWE references considering she was there as a wrestler and as a champion. So I thought maybe she'd have the belt somewhere, the title. Maybe um, they would mention the biggest superstar in WWE. They called her the man. You know, she wrestled kind of, got into like an action sequence. Uh, The other thing, for those who do watch the show, I thought it was a little strange that no one there was like screaming, oh my God, that's Becky Lynch when they saw her at the front desk, you know, in an office with that many people, particularly that many men, um, to kind of look at her and not know who she was and then have Mafi at the end say, oh my God, holy shit. I don't know why they did it that way. She's a star. Like if The Rock was in there, people would have said, oh my God, that's The Rock. Like I, I, don't, it, I thought it was strange the way that they wrote that scene. But nevertheless, Becky was really good in her role, delivered her lines like a champ. And yeah, there's rumors that there's more Hollywood opportunities coming from her. I don't think she's done with wrestling or will be done with wrestling anytime soon. But I love to see... One of my favorite wrestlers on one of my favorite shows. Very, very cool moment. Okay, enough of all of that, Chris. We are going to get into the ultimate WWE Money in the Bank preview, which means we're entering the main event. And we're going to start with the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I do think there are going to be additional matches for Money in the Bank added before we get there. Right now, there's only six So I'm guessing what another match on the main card, a pre-show match, and we'll probably be solid, but uh, we don't have them right now. So we'll find out uh, as we go. SmackDown Tag Team Championships. New Day defending the titles against Miz and Morrison, the Forgotten Sons, and Lucha House Party. Apparently, according to reports, the Usos were supposed to be in this match where the Forgotten Sons are. Jimmy reportedly injured his knee and is out six to nine months, which means the Usos just came back. They were just getting over and it was exciting. And they had changed a little bit. Everything looked great. And now they're out for another half year, if not longer. So not a great situation there. The Forgotten Sons, though, since joining SmackDown, they've been pushed to the moon. And honestly, that's maybe one of the reasons I haven't liked SmackDown, because the Forgotten Sons suck. Uh, Sorry, I I can't be more eloquent. They suck. They beat New Day clean on SmackDown. As I mentioned, Lucha House Party beat Miz and Morrison clean on SmackDown two weeks prior. Chris, who wins this match? I think it's got to be New Day. Um, I, a four-team match is weird for obvious reasons. They've kind of just had all these teams interchange with each other over the past few months. Forgotten Sons, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not into them, but the Uso situation makes it a little bit weird. I kind of wish this was just New Day versus Miz and Morrison because we never really got those three teams right. along with the Usos. We never got those two and two matches because the Miz got sick. Or, or whatever it was when he wasn't at WrestleMania. So we didn't actually get those. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see Lucha House Party. Honestly, forgot that they were still around until this 
recent thing happened. Forgotten Sons, I'm kind of eh, on. It's they're there because the injury. It's weird when someone who doesn't do anything in NXT gets into a position like this on the main roster. Lacey Evans also comes to mind, um, but I, I think it's got another be an, another reason I don't like SmackDown. Yeah, Sorry, I, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I think it's got to be New Day here. They're already what eight time champs. They're yeah. already they're really really close to the Dudley Boys record already. Yeah, and so I I was surprised when they. Uh, uh, lost it and then won it back in a singles triple threat tag team match. Very weird situation with the SmackDown division for the past few months. Uh, I think New Day's got to win it and keep going. If they keep losing and winning and racking up these title reigns, uh, it's going to be a little bit weird. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was strange that um, Biggie won the title a couple weeks ago in, in a, the singles match. I didn't hate it because I was so happy to see Biggie get a nice moment and win something kind of for himself, even though it was a tag team title. But once they decided not to change the titles at WrestleMania, the right move really was for Miz and Morrison to keep the titles for a short period of time, maybe even into this match. And if you do want to push the Forgotten Sons, then you have them win and Miz and Morrison lose without getting pinned by the Forgotten Sons. They have a gripe, but they're scared of them, so they don't challenge them. So then they go into single stuff or another feud or whatever the case might be. Instead, you're now in a situation where New Day has the titles back and it feels like New Day always has the titles. It does not feel special. Not having Xavier Woods there, it doesn't mean that they're not entertaining, but they're certainly less entertaining. And his absence is obvious to me. Um, but I also, at the same time, I really don't think you can change the titles. I mean, if they want to do something crazy and put them on Lucha House Party and give them like a two month run with the titles, I would love it because they're extremely talented. They can Despite them not getting the opportunities, they speak English very well on the microphone. They're great in the ring. They can get over. People do like them. Uh, they're entertaining. Crowds love them. But, you know, they're kind of just the extras in this match. So it does feel like ultimately they're here to take the fall one way or another. And I do agree with you that I, I think New Day ultimately retains here. Uh, I need to know. I, I need to know if this is going to be under Lucha House Party rules. Can they just have an extra person in the match? They don't. Kalisto's not available. I, don't, I think he's hurt. Uh, uh, or maybe. Something. Remember so that. Re remember that. Remember when oh, they got. God. Remember when they were the the faces and they got I to thought, be but, but, but have Chris, advantage in handicap. Matches. But Chris, I thought we were putting away the negativity. That that's what the first segment was for. Put away <laughs> the negativity. That's fair. No, but, but I, honestly, you're right. That was such garbage. It was last time we saw them. It, it was no, no, no. We've seen them since, but but it was it was funny the first time. But they did it like four weeks in a row, and it was just like, are you kidding me? This is how this is the creativity that you guys have to literally run the same segment. Again and again, it was it was mind-numbingly bad. But um, Forgotten Sons, I think it is too early to put the titles on them, even though they, they do somewhat look the part. They, they don't act the part, and they can't cut a promo for shit. Uh, Miz and Morrison, getting them getting the titles back, I, I that could work. I'd be okay with that. So option one, keep the titles on New Day. Option two, change the titles to Miz and Morrison and kind of reset and just count Biggie's win as a number for New Day and, and maybe keep them away from the titles for a little bit. Maybe do a Miz and Morrison Forgotten Sons feud Turn Miz and Morrison face. I, I don't really know the right answer, but let's move on. SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey defending against Tamina. I'm going to make the assumption that we agree that Bailey's going to retain the title. With that said, uh, I want to talk about the storyline because sneakily, the women's championship storyline has been the best thing on SmackDown entering WrestleMania and through WrestleMania. Bailey has been doing a fantastic job. She's getting better week by week. Sasha Banks is doing a good job playing the happy sidekick who at the same time you have a feeling that there's thoughts processing in her head. Uh, they're doing a really good job. All three of them on Twitter, 
promoting this feud and, and making people wonder what they're thinking and what's going to happen. People, are, Chris, are getting all up in their feelings about Sasha losing matches. She lost to Tamina. I believe she lost to Lacey Evans. I hate it too. I don't like seeing Sasha lose. But that's the entire point of the storyline is that when she is aligned with Bailey, Bailey's not there to help her like she's there to help Bailey. Sasha loses when she's with Bailey. She needs to be on her own. She needs to be selfish and think for herself. And while all of this is happening, they've somehow managed to make me like Tamina and make me interested in this match. And I actually care about Bailey Tamina at Money in the Bank. So with all the crap that's happening in the SmackDown universe right now, Bailey Tamina has me most interested at more than the Universal Championship, more than the SmackDown Tag Team titles. I care about this match and I'm excited to see it. I got to say, I've seen a lot of people on, well, not a lot. I've seen a number of people on Twitter kind of wanting Tamina to get like that one championship reign just to like have it on her on her resume and that's a credit to bailey and that's a credit to what they've done with the story which is really a slow burn here really uh, hype up the 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 evilness of 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 bailey and sasha and it it reflects well i think the lacey evans part still doesn't fit but you're right I, i i come into this match where there's like a little party that kind of wants to mean it to win. And that's really a credit to the job that Bailey's done as a heel, which I was not really into for quite a while until really, I think WrestleMania and, and, and moving on from there when I got into it. And you're seeing that effect of a really good heel uh, in this match here. I think very similar to the Seth Rollins heel turn after losing the title to Wyatt. You're like, okay, they're heel. They're heel. Bailey. Okay. She's a heel. Oh, she cut her hair and she's a different logo. And you're like, eh, okay. You know, and Seth, you're like, okay, he's a heel. And he's a little bit manic, but I'm not really getting it. But in in the time since WrestleMania, especially, but even the month before Mania, all the way until now, they are growing and developing their heel, heel personas and characters. Seth is a deranged, almost cult-like leader who thinks he is a god and who thinks that he is there to take burden off of people, not just the people that follow him like Murphy, but Drew McIntyre as being a new champion. And you have Bailey who is leaning into this, I'm a role model, I'm the best. And 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 it's just working so well for both of them that I think they just, they both deserve a lot of credit for the job that they've done. Now, uh, I did speak for you. You do agree, or or do you agree, I should ask, Bailey will retain here if you're making yes, a prediction. Yes, I, I, I do think so. Okay, I do too. I, but I do agree with you that Tamina winning, if it did happen, A, I wouldn't be surprised, and B, I wouldn't be against it. Uh, there was a time period about two years ago, I think, when I was on the other show where I made a huge case for Natalia uh, to win the Raw Women's Championship, I think it was at the time. Maybe it was SmackDown, I forget. But I made a huge case for it because she was the veteran. They needed a title change at the time. And giving her the opportunity to to hold the title at a later stage in her career, she deserved it. I mean, I, I hate to be the quote unquote, clap, 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 you deserved it, people, but or, or chanting, whatever. Um but she did deserve it. And I think Tamina kind of does too, especially with the work she's done over the last month. At the same time, I think it would be a mistake. SummerSlam's too close. I'd like to see Bailey retain the title and keep it all the way through SummerSlam. I'm excited to see what Sasha does. I hate that Sasha is not in the women's money in the bank match. If you look at the SmackDown competitors, it is extremely weak. But a big reason for that is because she's involved in this storyline. And it seems like they didn't pay it off the last couple of times, Chris, but it does seem like they're going to pay off Sasha Banks and Bailey finally this year in the summer. They have to they have to have a plan for Sasha. If she's not in the money in bank, that's got to mean that they have a plan for this Bailey Sasha story set. 
Agreed. All right. Universal Championship, Braun Strowman defending the title against the Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Uh, this is the best way I can I can preview this match. This is one of the easiest storylines that WWE's had with Bray Wyatt. And that is including Cena and including Roman, which we thought they were going to build to, and some of his prior ones as well. But despite being an extremely easy storyline, this is not hitting any of the right notes for me. The bliss segment, moment of bliss, where he finds the sheep mask in a box and wonders if it's a gift that Alexa got him, mind-numbing. The back-and-forth promos where Bray acts like a monster and he's yelling at a Titantron and Wyatt is just laughing and, and doesn't care. I mean, it, it goes against the greatness of Bray Wyatt, which is him cutting long, somewhat sometimes meandering promos that really let you know he's manic and that the person that he's challenging is scared. And Braun's not showing any fear whatsoever, maybe a little confusion. Uh, now, there is a go-home show Friday, and maybe they will give me a final gut punch and say, yeah, no, you're going to like it, and here's why. But I go into this match not caring. I think Braun has the opposite of Drew, and I know it wasn't the plan, but I think Braun's been a terrible universal champion to this point. For everything that they've done to build up Drew McIntyre on Raw, they have done absolutely nothing to build up Braun Strowman on SmackDown. I don't think he's had a match. I don't think he's beaten anybody. He beat Goldberg in a couple seconds, and you're just like, okay, he's champion now. Uh, so to me, this all spells Bray Wyatt winning the title back. I think it's the right move. I think it's the necessary move. And I would probably have Bray hold the title until Roman's able to come back and they can do that storyline. Yeah, the, the, there hasn't been much to this. I, I, I think we all kind of expect a quick draw and reign and transition back to Bray and, and where things go. I, I assume this will just be a regular match in the ring. In yeah. which case, I'm in which case I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, honestly, I, I would have loved for them to do as much cinematic stuff as they could. We'll get to that later with with the money in the bank matches. But uh, I know there's not a ton of regular matches on this card, but I feel like it was an opportunity to try to film things a little bit differently, even the regular matches, and just to make it a little bit more interesting. Because the, the the weekly show matches have have been a bit of a slog at times, and it's you just can't get around that empty atmosphere. And even if you just film it cinematically with different camera angles and, and whatnot, and even if you throw in some some background music uh, in the video, I think it really would go a long way, almost like when you watch a replay of a big sports game and, and, and stuff like that. So I assume these will be regular matches, and I'm curious to see how it, how it plays out, because uh, especially this match where it's just kind of two big guys. I do think that there is reasoning for that. I also think that you can overdo it, and we did see – the Boneyard match in Firefly Funhouse, and that was just enough for WrestleMania. Had, I mean, honestly, they did Edge and Orton too. It wasn't cinematic, but it was out of the normal arena, right? And you can say that maybe that one was too much, but it was also too long. It was 30, 35 minutes, and it was crazy. In this case, because the Money in the Bank matches we think are going to be singular, they're going to happen simultaneously. We'll get to that in a second. I do think there was a spot to do this match in that way. And you know what? We're putting the cart before the horse. They may. Um, just because it's being done in Orlando doesn't mean A, it won't be pre-taped, or B, that it won't be special in some way. I think I'm, I'm happy that they took away the red light from the Fiend matches. They stopped doing that. But, yes. but they've also reduced the coolness factor to the Fiend when he is live in the arena. There used to be those high-pitched sounds and the lights would shut out and there'd be flashing lights and all of that. Now they turn the lights off progressively, like a little bit by a little bit, 
and then turn them on progressively and he appears. They, they got rid of the sound. They got rid of the lights. They got rid of all of the effects that made The Fiend cool. So what I personally would love is for them to bring all of that back. Maybe everything I mentioned except the red light while the match is in progress. And if they do that, and if they shoot it slightly differently, as you're suggesting, I think you can have a successful presentation of this match. But man, if Bray Wyatt loses to Strowman, the character's dead. I yes. don't see how he can lose and and still be the fiend. You're, you're losing to Goldberg for no reason, dropping the title, mistake. And then you're losing to Braun Strowman, again, who is not built up. It's not If he lost to Reigns, that's one thing. But losing to Strowman, you're just like, okay. And then what's the fiend going to do after that? So this match out of the entire show, I mean, you could even tell me Rollins is going to win the title and I, I would believe it. But I cannot believe, I cannot think WWE would be stupid enough to let Braun Strowman retain the title here. We, we we didn't think there was any way that they would kill the fiend by losing to John Cena, and they give us a complete opposite, an incredible event yeah. in that Firefly final. So I, I I think I I think they know now. I hope they know now, and I think I Bray wins and and goes on from there. And you know, I I still wish Braun would have gotten the title two years ago in that feud with Roman, and, and they could have done something with it. And they really I think missed the the boat with him at that time. But uh, now now is not that time. Now is the time it's got to be. Bray yeah. with the situation. Yeah. And I think as someone who doesn't need to be there and can do unique things in the Firefly Funhouse, it makes sense for him to have the title and be there every week. And you don't have to have him in the arena. Like it, it's again, we're looking for ways to, to make the show entertaining and without doing just matches. And Bray Wyatt is champion, despite me not thinking he needs the title at all. If you're going to put him in title matches, he has to win. He can lose eventually, but he has to win and he has to have the title for a long period of time. Uh, WWE Championship match, Drew McIntyre against Seth Rollins. This, I don't say heavyweight because it's a heavyweight title. This is a heavyweight match, man. Like, this is a big deal. I think this has been built the best out of any match on the entire card. It's where I said that the Universal title was not hitting the right notes for me. This is hitting every right note for me. They took the storyline beyond the obvious of Seth wanting his title back and feeling like he hasn't been given opportunities to what I mentioned earlier, which is, not only does he think he's the Messiah and that, you know, he's he's the leader of Raw, but he feels like because he's the Messiah, he has the burden of being champion or he should, uh, that he knows how to handle it now because of the way the fans turned on him for Bray Wyatt and all the flack that he got. And now he's smarter and he's not going to be a goody two-shoes face about it. He's going to be this new character, right? And McIntyre, he sees it as a guy who has never been champion before, is now champion, and he wants to relieve him of that burden and he's not just doing it to get the title back in storyline. So I love it. I mean, Seth's promos have been fantastic. Drew has worked really well off of him. Individually and together, they've both been great. I will say candidly, I thought the main event segment on Raw was weak. I didn't. I love that Murphy was in the match. You guys know I love Murphy. I wish he was in the Money in the Bank match. But I was happy to see him get a main event opportunity. But I wasn't happy to see him get a main event opportunity where his uh, competitor is going to kick out at one every time he hits a legitimate move and goes for a pinfall. Uh, the finish came easy. It was a very short match. Murphy, who has had really good matches with Aleister Black and plenty of other wrestlers, I think he deserved more in that moment. But the goal was not to put Murphy over. The goal was to put Seth over. And I thought it was a pretty strong closing segment where you think Seth has gotten one up on Drew McIntyre only for the tables to turn, close the show, and McIntyre's on top. So, Chris, I would be very surprised if they changed the title. I think Drew McIntyre's done a very good job 
as champion. He deserves to have it longer. I don't say deserves in terms of like because he had a great career. I'm saying because he's right now working very hard and doing a great job being on top of WWE. And as I think I had this conversation with Jack previously, when fans do come back, I do think the first face you want to see opening Raw is Drew McIntyre with the title because he won it at WrestleMania and A, he hasn't been able to celebrate it, but more importantly, fans haven't been able to celebrate him. So him dropping it to Seth Rollins here, I think would be a mistake. Um, I wouldn't hate it because Rollins is doing a great job in his character. I just don't really see it as a feasible option here. Yeah, Drew has been killing it. And I I feel bad that he does not have the crowd with him through all of this because he's been doing a really good job. And it would be it would mean so much more if he had a crowd there with him. Uh, now, the flip side is I think Seth not having a crowd has it's really helped him figure oh, yeah. out this character, figure out these promos, not having people chant what at him. And it's reached the point now where I think he's he's nailed it down that when the crowd if the crowd was there, this would be working in front of that as well. So th- this has been built up in a way that uh, you really like to see the crowd for both of them for a match like this. And uh, yeah, props to both guys for what they've done. I think Drew's got to win I, I, for the reasons exactly what you said. Whenever things come back, he's the guy you want to open with as the champion. The only other, the only other way to think about it would be is if, Seth wins and holds the title until whenever we have a live crowd again and, and Drew wins it in that moment. The, the main only, event, the main event of the first round. Yeah, 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 that's the only other way I could see it. But honestly, I'd rather just have Drew keep the title at, at, as is because I think he's doing a good job and he deserves it. I think that's fair. I, I did criticize this um, ahead of time because last year, right out of WrestleMania, WWE immediately went with Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. And I criticized that. I thought they rushed it. I thought that was a main event feud for, you know, SummerSlam or something like that. And I did the same here with Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins. But looking back on it, I think had they not gone in this direction and they put Drew McIntyre, I don't even know, honestly, who he would have gone against because like Lashley lost to Aleister Black. Uh, I want I want to see Drew and hopefully we'll still get it. I want to see Drew and Edge. In a, in a title match here soon. That could have worked, but you don't want necessarily Edge to lose so quickly. Um, Randy, I, Orton had, Randy Orton okay. had just lost. Bobby Lashley had just lost. So looking at the situation, AJ Styles had just lost and been buried. So looking at the situation, you're like, well, where else would they have gone? And considering how weak the universal title is at this pay-per-view and considering there's no Raw Women's Championship, what kind of matches would have been on this show if we did not have Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins? So in retrospect, with hindsight being 2020, I'm going to take it back, the, critic- the earlier criticism, because these, de- these guys have done a great job. That said, they've done such a good job that I do think it enhances my, my previous point that this could have been the SummerSlam feud and it would have been great. So that's kind of where I stand here. Do you think uh, McIntyre retains, though, ultimately, if you're making a prediction? Yeah, it, my pick is Drew, is Drew retains, yes. OK, so let's get into the real main event of the main event which is the Money in the Bank ladder matches. And I say that together because WWE has kind of hinted. They've also told us directly, but they haven't actually explained how this whole thing is going to work. But apparently the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches, which are going going to be, quote unquote, climb the corporate ladder matches, and also, quote unquote, the risk is worth the reward, which I do think is a very strange slogan for this period of time that, you know, to be using. It's not the first time WWE's done something like this, but 
uh, it, it seems they're going to be going on simultaneously, where the men and women are going to start at the same time at the bottom floor of Titan Towers, which another weird thing. They refuse to call it that. I know it's not the name anymore, but they call it WWE headquarters, which is just so annoying. Give it a name, you know, um, but but they're going to start at the bottom floor and they're going to race and fight their way all the way onto the roof where there is a entire ring and two briefcases hanging from a crane, I would assume, or from a spire or something like that uh, at the top. So I love Money in the Bank, the concept. I always have thought that it should have been a match at WrestleMania, not its own pay-per-view. But in these unique times, I'm extremely excited for this. I do think that we will have part diehard, uh, part wrestling. I think it will, will be cinematic, as you alluded to earlier, along the lines of the Boneyard match and maybe to a lesser extent, the Firefly Funhouse match that we saw. I do think it's pretty cool that they're going to tear apart WWE headquarters. Um, I think it's going to pop a lot of people to like have them go into that famous conference room or run into Vince McMahon's office and get toppled over his desk, maybe pull the logo off the wall. I think there's a lot of really cool things that can happen, and I'm excited. And we're going to break down both matches and who's going to win. But I do want to kind of talk about it in general first, because my one larger concern overall is the concept that they will not air this in a singular segment. I'm worried that they are going to show this throughout the pay-per-view and they're going to almost do it in like house of horrors fashion where they start off and they, you, they get us through like the first two floors of the building and you see a lot of really good action. And they say, okay, back to Orlando for the SmackDown women's championship match. And they do like two matches in Orlando or between every single match, they go back to Stanford and see, hey, what are they doing right now? And my concern is that if they do that, it's going to take me out of it. I don't know that it's true. It may just me being a pessimist. I am pessimistic by nature. But that is how I believe they're going to be doing this match. And ultimately, I'm not sure it's going to be the right idea. I had not thought about that until you mentioned it just now. And now I'm terrified that that's going to happen. <laughs> do not want that uh at all um i in general i'm extremely excited about this i i hate the tagline climb the corporate ladder because it furthers this image of wwe right now forcing its workers to work during a pandemic and even more so to call it climbing the corporate ladder like it almost sounds like a threat in some some ways i don't like that tagline i do like the idea of I do like the idea of the match and I think it'll be uh, fun to watch, uh, especially coming off of WrestleMania with the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match that raised the expectation for these unusual matches, cinematic matches to to a very high level because they knocked it out of the park uh, with those. So I'm excited to see what this goes here. And and man, I really, <laughs> really hope it's not what you said it was, uh, because I can absolutely see that now that you mention it. And I do not think it's going to work. Now, I, I, the truth is, I just don't know that it will be the case that this lasts throughout the entire show. But I do think they saw that Edge and Randy Orton match and they said, you know what? That was long and boring. And this would be very similar to that because it would be happening in a backstage area, so on and so forth. So that's just kind of how I think they're going to book it. I think maybe it won't be the entire show. Maybe it will start at the midway point of the show and it'll weave in and out of the few main events and then it'll end the show and the actual finish of the match will be on top of the towers. But ultimately I do think they're going to weave it throughout. I think we're going to get like different seven minute segments of the money in the bank ladder match. And I don't think they're just going to give it to us in one 40 minute shot. 
And candidly, it does take a significant amount of time to go from the bottom floor of a building all the way to the roof. So it does need to be a longer match, all things considered. They did tape it previously. Uh, so, you know, the expectation is it's going to be really good. You're right. Expectations are raised because of the Boneyard match and because of the Firefly Funhouse match. So we'll see if they deliver here. I do think they're going to deliver. I think it'll be entertaining, but I am entering it pessimistic about the presentation of it. So we will see. But let's talk about the matches themselves, or at least the match itself with the 12 competitors. We'll start with the women. Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Nia Jax from Raw, Carmella, Dana Brooke, and Lacey Evans from SmackDown. It is a very strange trio for Raw and a very strange trio for SmackDown, considering the talent that WWE has on both sides. The one thing I do like is outside of Carmella, uh, everyone here would be a new Money in the Bank holder, and I do not think Carmella is going to win. So that's positive. Um, you know, Shayna Baszler having the Money in the Bank briefcase, it seems like it's something she shouldn't need, considering how much of a badass she is. Asuka with the briefcase, I think, would be extremely entertaining. I just don't see them putting it on her. Nia Jax, you know, again, something she shouldn't need. Nia Jax should be able to get a title match with Becky Lynch without winning this. And that kind of leads me down to the SmackDown side. I don't see Carmella winning again. I do not see them giving it to Dana Brooke. And that leaves Lacey Evans. And that goes against the pessimism and the anger that I had at the beginning of the show where I said, I think someone from Raw is going to win considering the way they promoted Becky Lynch. But if you're just looking at the competitors in the match, Lacey Evans is by far the one who makes the most sense to win the briefcase. Maybe to a point where she and she doesn't cash it in on Raw. She ends up cashing it in on Bailey, gets her come up, come up and there, either with the help of Sasha Banks or because Sasha didn't help her. Sasha and Bailey feud, or one of them wins the title from Evans, the other one feuds, and they they finish it off at SummerSlam. I don't know, but when you look at who can carry the briefcase beyond a couple months, and my hope always, Chris, uh, this is the first time we've talked about it. My hope always is that Money in the Bank holders carry their title at, or their briefcase at least three months. You want the surprises. You want the all the segments that you can do where they run in and almost cash in, but don't. It doesn't need to be a calendar year, but it does need to be an extended period of time. Otherwise, you're just completely wasting the purpose of the briefcase. And that's what they've done in many of the last years. So Lacey makes the most sense to have that. If it's not her, it's Shayna Baszler to me. I don't see them going in that direction with Oscar Nia Jax, Carmella or Dana Brooke. So those are my two finalists. And if I had to put money on it, I'd probably put money on Lacey Evans. What about you? I, I agree that it, I always want it to be someone who carries it around for a while. The, the longer, the better, honestly. It, it's it's a better gimmick than than I think the king the king gimmick, the king of the ring. I love king of the ring, sure. but I'm not a fan of the king gimmick. I think the money in the bank gimmick is. Uh, something you can drag out a lot longer and it doesn't lose that shine because it can happen at any time. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of when someone cashes in the same night as they win it, as as we've seen a, a few times in the past few years. So 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 where does this go? I I think I think the current situation we're in makes uh, makes it more likely we get a short Money in the Bank uh, yeah. stretch here, and I think it's going to be Shayna Baszler. I I, I think. Uh, I think it doesn't last long. I think the, the, the Becky Lynch thing, it makes sense with, with what they talked about on commentary. I think the threat of the threat of Shayna is always there, but I think it maybe lost a little bit of that shine with the way WrestleMania went. And if we can, 
if they can set it up where Shayna Baszler can strike you at any time and Becky's got to keep her head on a swivel, uh, I think it could work. Uh, I, I would like it. I, I, I wish Shayna had won at WrestleMania. I think there's more they can do there. Not a fan of any of this Lacey Evans stuff. I, I see what you're saying. I can see it happening. Um, but I, I'm going to hope Shayna and think Shayna uh, wins it. You've changed my mind because the more you, t- <laughs> the, the more you talk about Shayna there, the more I think that ha- they have to figure out a way to take the title off Becky. Right. And she's so strong right now, and she already beat Shayna clean one-on-one, that Shayna getting another straight-up title match with her doesn't make a lot of sense. What I could see happening is Becky coming back, Shayna, you know, having won the briefcase, they confront each other, whatever. But Becky gets into a feud with Nia Jax. And I, you know, I broke your face. It's natural. It's a natural feud. They have a hard-hitting match at a pay-per-view. And Nia beats her, you know, to the end of, of the earth, but Becky ultimately wins. Shayna comes out, cashes in, wins the title. Becky's reign ends. Then you have Becky fighting from behind again to try to get the title back at whatever pay-per-view, whether it's SummerSlam, whether it's Royal Rumble back in in January next year, whatever the case might be. So Shayna with the briefcase is more compelling uh, because of Becky Lynch. You're right. Lacey Evans with the briefcase would help her because she needs all the help she can get, but it wouldn't be the best storyline. So for those reasons, it, it would make sense for Shayna to have it My problem with that is I have to believe, and I could be wrong, but I have to believe that they split up the men's and women's Money in the Bank winners, one for each brand. And for the men's Money in the Bank, I don't see any of the SmackDown men winning it. Before we get to that, we'll talk about AJ Styles returned on Raw Monday night, won a gauntlet challenge that featured a couple legitimate superstars, but really not many. They had Titus O'Neil and Akira Tozawa in there. Garza, Carrillo, and Theory were all in there, uh, and, and Lashley opened it up, of course, the entire thing, but AJ Styles ultimately won. And I like Styles in this match for star power. You know, you want people to watch the pay-per-view. That's why Rey Mysterio's in there. That's why it makes sense for Styles to be in there. At the same time, when Apollo had that spot, I was really loving the fact that someone young and athletic was getting that opportunity. And you have Buddy Murphy, you have Angel Garza, you have Humberto Carrillo. You even have Austin Theory, but I don't think he should have won. But any of those guys, had they been in this match, you have someone that can do those spectacular moves. And I'm not saying that Aleister Black or Rey Mysterio can't. Mysterio shouldn't, considering his age. I'm not saying Daniel Bryan can't. Again, he shouldn't, considering his age. But money in the bank is best when you have a couple of those guys. Think back, I think it was to last year, where you had Andrade and Finn Balor. And there was that incredible uh, sunset flip bomb that on the ladder and Finn went flying and you're like, oh my God, that's one of the greatest moves ever. And all of the matches Jeff Hardy's been in and all of the awesome things Kofi Kingston has done off the ladders. And then you look at this match and you don't really see that. Now, granted, this is a different type of match. It's a brawl for the most part, but eventually you're going to wind up on top of that roof. And when you get on top of that roof, there's going to be ladders and there's going to be a ring and it's going to be a ladder match. So that's why there's some disappointment with me in terms of the six men that are in this match. So I thought the Styles return, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, maybe I am. Uh, I thought the Styles return should have been saved for this upcoming Monday as the next challenger to Drew McIntyre, not a go-home show without any promotion ahead of a pay-per-view that's already been taped. My biggest problem with the AJ return was that they kind of didn't really explain 
it. I, I know we've had buried alive matches in the past and, you know, the usual implication is that the person's not dead. I mean, we've had it with Kane Undertaker right. uh, when Biker Taker was was buried. But uh, I mean, they spe- they very clearly showed his lifeless hands sticking out of the dirt. I mean, I, I kind of I would have loved like two weeks ago. I know it was a fake hand. I know it wasn't a real hand there, but I would have loved it like two, three weeks ago. They just show a shot. They take you back to the boneyard. You see the hand sticking out. And he turns it into the too sweet symbol just just to acknowledge that he's alive right. and that he'll make a comeback at some point. So when AJ does make that comeback, it was it was you don't need to explain what the heck happened. You kind of get it. OK, he's alive and, and we'll see him at some point. Um, and yeah, it was a weird time to do it at the end of a gauntlet match on a go home show to throw him into a, a championship match for, for sure. Not not yeah. a not a big fan of that execution. Now, well, I didn't love that and I, I didn't love most of Raw, as I mentioned, what I did love. Monday night were the promos from Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio. I thought they were genuine, authentic. It was probably Black's. Ooh, I have, dis- I have a disagreement here. Okay, good, good. I think I think it was Black's best promo or one of his best promos on the main roster. Mysterio's was a little corny, but it felt genuine and believable that this guy who's near the end of his career is trying to go after the title. For me, I, I thought that they both built very well for this match and it made me care about their individual journeys in it. Go tell me I'm, why I'm wrong. I, I thought Elzer Blacks was fine. It, the, the Rey Mysterio one, like it was implying that, you know, people might die. Like they, they could fall off the building here. That, that's talking. what that's what AJ Styles said. He said he was going to throw people off the, off the building. Right. So it was a little s- strange in that sense because we've seen it. Like we've seen the ring. It's not like you've got to balance up there. And if you fall off the ladder, you're falling off the building. I, I thought it was a little weird. I mean, obviously you know, promos have never been raised strong suit and they got to do what they do to, to build it up. I think they're, again, I think there's ways they could get around just a straight on look at the camera, deliver a promo. Like you can do it like an interview where you got a different camera angle from the side, one from the front, uh, just show it a couple different ways to, to kind of add to it because the words themselves and the delivery is not enough to get me excited for this. And especially at this time, there's, just little tweaks you can make, I think, to, to backstage promos, especially when these things are taped, uh, that can just add a little bit more to it. The, the, the Ray promo just just didn't do anything. For I mean, me. the the Alistair Black promo is what you're talking about. They, there was right. lighting and smoke, and I'm saying ominous. He had an amulet on his neck for some reason. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the Alistair Black promo was pretty awesome. Uh, the Mysterio thing, I get what you're saying completely. The the argument is Ray's, as you said, Ray's not good at promos. So knowing that, if the whole goal is to have everyone talk about the match, which they did on SmackDown also, it's it's the goal, right? You're, you're previewing the match. You got to ever say something. And at least to me, it felt genuine. Like it, it felt like it wasn't a contrived story for why Ray wants to win Money in the Bank. It made sense. This guy's near the end of the career. How many more title opportunities is he going to get? This is a dangerous match, but he's willing to risk his body for it. So on. So that's why I liked it. Just very simply the storytelling of it. I thought it was good. Um, on SmackDown, the, we also had one more addition into the match. Otis beat Ziggler clean again. Personally, before we get to the pick here, I like Otis. Uh, I don't need him in the match. I would have much preferred to have Ziggler here. I, I get it. Um, but Otis beating Ziggler clean twice, I would have much preferred Ziggler to beat him clean or with interference from Sonya Deville. And then on SmackDown Friday, you have the mixed tag team match between Ziggler and Sonya Deville against Mandy and Otis. And then on the pay-per-view, you have Mandy against Sonya Deville. That's how I would have booked it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like Otis beating Ziggler again after we saw that. I'm fine with Otis being in the match. I think I think there's some fun things. I think the point of this match is going to be it's it's going to be a little bit you know corny or campy, and it's going to be kind of funny at times. And I think Otis is a great guy to do some fun stuff with. He's not someone I expect to be in the match. I would have preferred to not see him beat Ziggler again to kind of get into that. But hopefully, I I assume this kind of officially ends. Otis Ziggler as a thing now, and I know Mandy and Sonia are still going on, but uh, I'm curious where, where they go from here, because I got to imagine that's over. But I, I like Otis being in the match. I'll tell you what I want. If Otis is going to be in this match, which he is, um, I want a scene to be Vince McMahon sitting in his office, okay, in his chair at his desk, and Otis t- <laughs> to get to barrel through the wall like the Kool-Aid man <laughs> and bounce in and go, oh, yeah, or something like, something like that, where it like pops Vince or maybe Triple H is sitting there or Stephanie or someone. Um, That's what I want to happen. So if Otis is in this for comedy and there's going to be spots like that, I'm fine with it. But again, Otis is half of a tag team. They're not breaking up. Um, They're in need of tag teams on that brand. I get he's involved in a single storyline. That's totally cool. But in this match, they didn't need to put Otis here where they could have continued that storyline and had a regular match. There's other people that could have gotten this opportunity. Again, I mentioned the people on Raw who could have gotten it. There's a number of people... On SmackDown, they're holding back Ali, we think, for this truth teller gimmick. Where's Gable? I don't know. Maybe he's not there. Maybe he doesn't want to work. I don't know. But there are people who could have been in this match, like Apollo, that could have had that unique opportunity. Um, Even in Elias, considering Corbin's in the match, you want that tension. And they're not there. But okay, let's get to the match. uh, And we'll talk about this real quick. Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, King Corbin, and Otis. So just like... The prior match, I think it's easy to eliminate people, right? I don't think Rey Mysterio is going to win. I don't think Daniel Bryan's going to win. And I don't think Otis is going to win. So that leaves me Aleister Black, AJ Styles, and King Corbin. If it's me, if I'm booking, it's a massive mistake to give money in the bank to Corbin. Number one, he's already had it. It was disastrous, not just because he lost. It was bad with him holding the thing. He just won King of the Ring. He continues to be featured. He just beat the hell out of Elias. There's already, for a lot of people too much King Corbin. For me, there's not too much King Corbin, but the way they're using him is bad. The last thing I need is the King to have the Money in the Bank briefcase. That brings me over to Raw, Aleister Black and AJ Styles. I would have put all of my money on Aleister Black winning this, taking the title, or taking, I keep calling him the title, taking the briefcase, like peeling away the hard outside, wrapping it in like leather with his amulet on it and like, a lot of cool designs and like almost tattoos on the leather. I think it would look awesome. He's rising up with it, like gripping it across his chest. That's what I would do if I was booking it. AJ Styles coming back though and having the briefcase and being able to be that dickish heel and lording it over Drew McIntyre makes a lot of sense too. It's tough, man. Considering we have a face champion, I'm going to lean towards AJ Styles winning money in the bank and, and increasing his resume. A loss doesn't hurt Aleister Black. The other option is Aleister Black winning, restarting his feud with AJ Styles that was kind of happening on the way to WrestleMania before The Undertaker got involved, and Aleister Black winning the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then at the next pay-per-view or at Raw or whatever, beating AJ Styles and being elevated into this big threat that has this briefcase. So, you know, I don't like changing my picks at the end, even though I just did it for the women's (laughs) match, but that was because you convinced me. I'm going to change here. I was leaning Aleister Black. I'm going to go AJ Styles. So my prediction is that the giant falls off the building, survives, comes back later in the night along with the Yeti, 
They hump Hulk Hogan to death, and the Giant wins the WCW Championship. I'm sorry, wait, that's Halloween Havoc 1995, (laughs) the last time we had a match on top of a building, at least that I can recall. Remember that? Remember when the Giant, the big show, fell off the building and died, (laughs) and, and no one said anything, and they just moved on, and then he showed up later in the day, later in the night, fell off of Cobo Hall in my hometown of Detroit. And uh, one of the strangest, you know, Brandon Stroud's review of that on Uproxx, one of the funniest things I've ever read. Every once in a while, I go back and read that because it's hilarious. And when I when I saw this, when I saw AJ talk about throwing people off, when I saw Ray Mysterio's promo, all I could think about was the the big show falling off of Cobo Hall and coming back to win the title later in the day. So uh, I got a good laugh out of that. But for real, I think my pick is Alistair Black wins and he ends up on SmackDown in some form. I I, I think I could see five, six months from now, uh, Alistair Black, Bray Wyatt as a as a thing on SmackDown. I don't really know how they're going to do it. But when I look at what's on the board here and when I look at where things can go, I think your AJ stuff makes perfect sense. Uh, it's generally better in the hands of a heel. This the money in the bank. But I think Alistair Black is a mysterious guy can make it happen. And I think uh, I, I, I think uh, Alistair Black, Bray Wyatt down the road would be a really, really interesting thing. Uh, or maybe they don't go far. Maybe they do some weird cinematic stuff in a couple months from now. But uh, I, I, I don't know how they do it. But for some reason, I'm thinking Alistair Black wins it because they're really high on him right now. And it's somehow he gets over to SmackDown. It would be great, but I, there's a couple of things that I think are I have an issue with that. Number one is Alistair Black's relationship with Paul Heyman and the way that right. he's been built specifically on Raw works specifically on Raw. Number two, every time that they move one of that foursome, and I'll name the four in a moment, they have to move all of them. Now, granted, they're all currently filming in Orlando and they will be, we assume, for the foreseeable future, right? But, but if you move Alistair Black to SmackDown, then you have to move Zelina Vega to SmackDown, then you have to move Andrade, then you have to move Charlotte. So, and then you have to move Angel Garza and Austin Theory or have them break up. So I think doing that is difficult. Now, that said, the best part about Money in the Bank, and we said it at the beginning here, is the winner holding the briefcase for an extended period of time. So if Aleister Black wins and it's a face and Drew McIntyre is a face and Aleister Black holds that damn thing for 10 months and when Seth Rollins or AJ Styles eventually wins the title or Brock Lesnar shows up again and takes it back or whatever the case if he comes in and then cashes in on that person, then it's it's a win-win-win situation. I just kind of feel like by the way they inserted AJ Styles uh, as a surprise, as a late you know adjustment there, they did it for a reason. I could see Styles winning, Apollo being upset about that, having a, a couple-week feud with AJ Styles on Raw, or even at a pay-per-view, not to get the briefcase, but because he took his opportunity. Uh, maybe Apollo even going over Styles and getting a push in that regard. So I, I think there's more of a runway with Styles in the short term. But I do think you're right. In the long term, even if it's not SmackDown, which I don't think it would be, there is a long-term runway or a long-term storyline that you can play out with Aleister Black holding on to that briefcase for an extended period of time. That is how I prefer to book. I'm not going to change my pick like I did on the women. Um, But he is the guy who for about a month I thought would win this match as soon as he qualified. I'm not so sure now, but, but I do think that, you know, He's 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 the right winner. Styles is the one I predict. Alistair Black is the one who should win ultimately. I do want to shout out uh, Nick Flynn, uh, N Flynn underscore seventeen. I, I'm going through the DMs now because I'm going to answer a couple of these. We are going to answer answer a couple of these as the show ends. 
I didn't read them beforehand, so this is all completely blind or this is unplanned. Uh, but he asked the same question we answered about Sonya and Mandy happening Friday night on SmackDown when it should have been at the pay-per-view. And he also mentioned Roman Reigns being left out of that Money in the Bank, um, you know, clip that they showed on Raw. So I do have a couple more DMs here. Uh, Black Sabre Jr., um, underscore Black Sabre Jr., he says, this week's promos for Money in the Bank more or less told us Someone is falling off the roof. Why is it going to be AJ? So, Chris, do you think someone's falling off the roof? Hey, I, I think a gimmick of, you know, AJ Styles dies in some way at every pay-per-view like Kenny from South Park uh, could could work. Okay. Um, that could work. I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. As you mentioned, <laughs> Me <neither. laughs> as you mentioned, the ring is far away from the edge of the roof. I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean... They're, they're planning this, obviously, and they can hire stunt people. So I, I don't think it's impossible that someone does fall off the roof, quote unquote. But if it is someone, I don't think it's AJ. I think it may be like you kind of intimated Alistair Black. Yeah, who maybe. makes his way back up there or something. Um, or maybe he comes back as like a spirit or, or something. Let's or, get or, Let's or maybe he like toes the line and like he's about to fall off, but he grabs someone by the neck and pulls himself back in. I think throwing someone off the roof of a building that high <laughs> is a step too far for WWE where it's, again, you can only suspend your disbelief so much. Even in the Firefly Funhouse match, it made sense because it was all psychotic, psych uh, psychological where you could say, okay, I can see this happening, right? But, and this can all be in his mind. It's not something that's physically happening in real life. But to actually throw someone off a roof, uh, stunt or not, and... Then have that person show up in a couple of weeks on Raw. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I I just like that this is this is the WWF Super Bowl commercial, basically as a match, and and maybe maybe we end up getting that. For sure. Uh, hashtag no daikon at Chef Aaron twenty six. Is that Aaron? Are you talking about daikon radish? Like, are you against daikon radish or? If not, tell me what your name means. I don't know. Um, he asks the Roman Reigns question that we did. A lot of fans apparently are bothered by this. Um, he says when Roman Reigns come ba comes back, is he going to get the Triple H curtain call treatment and job all the time? It seems weird and childish that WWE is keeping him away from things. Um, what's, the w what's the point of WWE promoting Cancer Awareness Month if your top star is going to be punished because he didn't want to take a chance with his health? I, I just I could be wrong. Look, WWE can be petty. We know they can. I think people are reading a little bit too much into this. I don't think they're being petty with him or childish. I think they're trying to keep him off TV because they don't know when he's going to return. And when he does, they want it to be a big deal. And they don't want people wondering where Roman Reigns is. Yes, people are going to wonder where he is when you cut him blatantly out of segments like that. Um, but I think it's only the most astute fans that are noticing that, not necessarily every fan. Um, and you know what? The last DM I have is from... Nick Johnson art, Nick Johnson underscore art. And he asked the exact same question. Um, so we're not going to repeat it a third time, but clearly you guys are very curious about this Roman Reigns situation. So look, I don't it's have, a it's a big thing. It's like a new, like conspiracy theory. The I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I I'm with you though. I, I don't, I don't think there's much. I wouldn't, look, I wouldn't be surprised. Candidly, man, I wouldn't be surprised if Roman is angry about some of how this went down. I mean, them sh doing shows, continuing to kind of book him, the Miz situation. I don't know what happened. And even people who have reported on it about Miz having a fever, but then ultimately being okay. 
maybe he had a fever and they let him remain in the building. And then the Usos told Roman about it. And he's like, why is he still here? And then he got pissed and whatever. But we're humans, man. Roman's in his 30s. He's an adult. He's a family man. He has many kids. Again, I, don't, I forgot if his wife had the kids or not, but she's either pregnant or they just had twins. There's a lot for him personally where it makes sense for him not to be there. And I do think from a corporate perspective, it makes a lot of sense for WWE not to be promoting Roman Reigns while he's they don't know when he's going to be back to their product. You look at AEW just as a quick means of comparison. They're not out there promoting we have Pentagon and Phoenix and they're not on TV. And I know that they do not compare in any way to Roman Reigns in terms of significance from one to the other. But AEW is not saying, hey, look at all this talent that's not on our show. They're saying, here's the talent that's on our show. We're building matches for double or nothing. They're going to have some more people showing up on Wednesday because they're going back live again and they're going to be in Jacksonville. So I think we'll see more people. Um, Matt Hardy obviously is going to be there. Moxley maybe will be back soon, et cetera. But I don't think companies should go out of their way to promote that these people aren't here. I do think it was wrong and weird to leave Roman Reigns out of the Make-A-Wish commercial. And I do think it was weird to cut him from the highlight, the Money in the Bank highlight. But maybe they cut him from the Money in the Bank highlight, the cash-in, because they didn't want to show Reigns getting pinned. Maybe it wasn't because they don't or, want him or because, on TV. Or because they don't want to show everything from the network or something like that. Right. And, and people they, they, like that clip is not on YouTube. Like that clip, I've tried to find it in the past. They, they, they are very, with that specific clip, yes. they're very careful with it. And they will only let you watch it on the network. I believe the Kofi finish from Mania last year isn't on either. You can only get clip, you know, certain parts of it. So you're right. That's another really good point that you just made. So I do think that WWE does things for other reasons besides being petty. And a lot of people are taking Dave Meltzer reporting that Vince has made an edict or whatever, not to mention Reigns on TV to mean that not only are they not mentioning him in commentary, but they're purposely keeping him out of all this stuff. I, I think a lot of it is weird. I also think a lot of times you can string together a lot of coincidences or maybe a couple things that are pur purposeful with something else that's a coincidence and try to build this entire narrative. Is it possible Reigns is angry with WWE? I think it is possible. Is it possible that WWE is angry with Reigns, even though they shouldn't be because of all the reasons that have been laid out? I think it's possible. And I think that would be ridiculous. But we don't know that to be the case. No one's reported that that's the case. And I think people are jumping to conclusions. And do you think that's fair? Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, at, at a time when, especially now, when a lot of people are worried they may have to go back to work or else they could be fired and stuff like that, it took a lot of courage for Roman to do what he did right Absolutely. before WrestleMania to say, no, I'm, I'm putting my health and my family ahead of this. And you know, who knows whatever happens happens, but uh, he's been through a lot and I don't blame him at all for doing it. And I think it took a lot of courage uh, to, to do that as well. I'll say this, even if WWE is upset with Roman Reigns, which again would be ridiculous. Um, he's far too important to them to burn bridges. And my guess, I think he just resigned like a five-year deal. A year ago, I think I could be wrong about that. But my guess is that they see him as far too important to let uh, a small temporary rift be, become permanent and lose this guy to AEW where he would be, he would change the game. You want to talk about like giving AEW someone to like actually compete with you? People hate on Roman Reigns because they hate the booking of Roman Reigns. I don't think AEW would get Roman Reigns wrong. Okay. So, um, I, I don't think that's a bridge, a bridge that WWE is ultimately willing to burn. I don't think it's it's one that Joe, the human, is ultimately going to burn with WWE. Nor do I think that we should even be talking about burned bridges, given the 
the extreme circumstances that we're all facing right now. Um, you know, look, this po- look uh, candidly, I've mentioned it before on the pod. We'll close after this. This podcast had a co-host. That co-host uh, decided to do the show. And after a couple of weeks, basically said, hey, I, I hate that wrestling is still going on during the coronavirus. I'm not watching wrestling. I'm not talking about wrestling anymore. I mean, you think I'm happy about that? No. But do I consider the bridge burn? No, because people are people and everyone has different priorities in their lives and different things that are important to them and and different likes and dislikes. So, you know, things happen in life um, and people get over them. You know, was I bothered at all? Sure, of course. I was not happy, but I grew I'm, I'm an adult. I'm a man. And guess what? I have Chris Vanini on this podcast talking WWE. He's doing a great job. You guys love him. And I, I love him for joining us every single week. Uh, Chris, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Vanini. He's also a writer for The Athletic. And he has a very cool uh, football slash wrestling crossover story coming out soon. Chris, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to do this for a long time and it never really fit. But now that there are no sports going on for a while, it seemed like a good time to do it, especially after WrestleMania. I'm writing a story about Bray Wyatt's football career. Uh, I'm hopefully it's going to run uh, later this week. I'm not sure. It depends when you guys listen to this, but uh, I've talked to a number of his former uh, teammates and coaches and uh, about Wyndham Rotunda's brief college football career. And uh, it's been fun talking to different people about it. And uh, yeah, so I hope you guys check that out on The Athletic uh, later this week. And don't you follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Vanini. He will tweet it. And you guys will be able to read it. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Silverstein Adam. Follow the show at Getting Overcast. Five star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely massive week. You know, I, I should have said it in the show opening. I wanted. I was so excited to talk about Money in the Bank. I forgot to tell you guys what we have ahead this week. On Thursday, we have the NXT and AEW show. Absolutely massive night for both shows. NXT, two huge title matches. I'm expecting it to be one of the best NXT episodes we have seen in quite some time. On Friday, bonus show this week with two major WWE interviews. One of my favorite wrestlers and a competitor in the men's Money in the Bank match will be one of the guests. And one of the champions of WWE will be the other guest. That's a tease, folks. Not giving away the names, but they are big ones. So you will hear them one-on-one with the Silver King on Friday. And I also would be remiss if I didn't mention Sunday night, immediately after WWE Money in the Bank is off the air, instant analysis of WWE's first major pay-per-view after WrestleMania right here on Getting Over will be published about an hour after the show is off the air. We'll be ready for you Sunday night if you want it or Monday morning when you need it. So for Chris, this is the Silver King. And for the birds outside my windows who won't stop chirping, you guys can give them a name if you want. DM me. I only got three words for you. Bye for now. <laughs>